Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and we have with us, as usual, Martin Cold as Ice Willis. And willing to sacrifice our love. Willing to sacrifice. That kind of rhymes, because it's kind of a rapper thing, cold as ice. So, because you're freezing out there, but we have a special guest on another person who is cold as ice, which is Lee Spiegel in New York. Hello, Lee. Hello, both of you. Why, why am I more of a special guest than Martin is? <laughs> well, you, sir, Martin's on it regularly, oh, so yeah. by definition, oh, you're news. a special guest. Yeah. Okay, old so that, news, I, no pun intended. I, I, I <laughs> got this. So I, I, I'm the irregular special guest. Okay, yeah, yeah. irregular <laughs> special guest is a good way to put it. Yeah. So. Uh, you guys are out there on the east where it's freezing. I think it's like 70 degrees. It's sunny here. Uh, we've yeah. had a bit of a warm spell, which is so funny. And, and that's what people don't realize. It's global, free, global uh, you know, uh, warming, warming <laughs> is really better explained as climate change. It just means the weather's getting weird, man. That's exactly right. Well, and, and lately, you know, you're right. I don't think we can use the term global warming anymore. For, for us here on the east, it's it's more appropriate to say it's global freezing. Yeah, you guys are freezing your, your you know, what's off. Are you guys surviving, though? You're doing okay? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's uh, almost like hibernation time, though, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was minus yeah. 22 degrees Fahrenheit when I woke up this morning at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Central Park here in New York last night broke a record for most frigid temperature ever. Really? I'm not sure if that was. Yeah, and 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 we're like about two or three days. Um, they say from 50 degrees hitting New York. Well, well, fine. I mean, really, I don't know what how many scarves I need to put on on any given day now, or how many jackets. I will tell you. I mean, uh, you know, th thank God for bottoms and tops, um, thermal underwear because it really helps. <laughs> yeah, I was in Colorado for a few days, and I wish I had it because. Uh, that's what I would be wearing. These days, my blood's so thin, I cannot, I have no resistance to the cold. It, it's awful. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. In fact, I, I said, if I'm going to live anywhere, it's got to have palm trees or I, I won't be there. I have palm uh, trees, but they're indoor. You know? <laughs> yeah, not. that doesn't count. So let's move on to the, the guest. I, I always announce who the guest is. Of course, we already know it's Lee Spiegel. Uh, formerly of the Huffington Post. Now you're working on a cool documentary project with James Fox, who's been on the show. You know, he does, yes. in I think many people's opinions, uh, a couple of the best documentaries on this topic 
ever. Yeah. Uh, really good stuff. So everybody's really excited for this new one. Lee has also been involved with so many other things, been involved with media and journalism uh, for, for many, many years, um, interviewed one of the first to interview people like uh, um, astronauts and others about UFOs, worked with Heineck and Valet and all of these important names. If you don't know who those people are, Google it. But uh, yeah, Lee's got a lifetime of experience in journalism and especially in UFOs. So very exciting. Uh, Always good to have you on the show, Lee. And this show in particular, I love. We're going to be talking about the uh, year in review. And for me, this is kind of like Christmas. It's kind of like opening packages because, you know, I don't know what stories you guys are going to talk about. And so I'm always excited to hear uh, which stories you you all are going to bring up. But we'll get to that. Um, Before that, let's go ahead and start with some of the news. So Martin, of course, is our news dude and starts us off with some of the latest news. And what you got there, Martin? Well, I'm going to be talking today about the mystery of the alien megastructure uh, star has been cracked. Yeah, um, that case has been yeah, cracked. Wah, wah, wah. Now, there, there are several articles out there about this, but I gathered some quotes from uh, this uh, recent article uh, by Nadia Drake from the National Geographic. Just in a nutshell, um, we're going to I be talking her. about the— I, You did? Yeah, she wow. was in Hungary. Uh, with us for the National Geographic thing. Um, I got to spend some ah. time with her. Totally not into UFOs or open to the <laughs> idea at all, which is funny because it was brought up, not by me, someone else. But uh, yeah, she's very cool. She's got a PhD and she was a ballerina in like this big group, and uh, which both are just amazing accomplishments on their own. Because if you know, professional oh. ballerinas go through a lot. But very cool oh, person. Yeah. Just wanted to do that quick shout out sorry wow no that's great so uh, just in a nutshell this all began back in 2011 when citizen scientists with the planet hunters project were sorting through the data from nasa's kepler spacecraft and they spotted um, the signatures of more than 2300 planets uh, during its four-year primary observations um, you know as the planets pass their stars they have a uh, a dip or a blip in their star's light uh, but the dips Kepler recorded from Tabby Star didn't correspond to anything remotely uh, like the planet shadowy fingerprint should. Instead, they appeared to be more intense and entirely random. Once alerted to the star, formerly uh, KIC 8462852, astronomers couldn't come up with a reasonable explanation for what they were seeing. So um, the hypothesis, they ranged from a swarm of comets orbiting the star to a dusty debris debris disk surrounding a black hole between the star and Earth to material within our own solar system, which I had never realized before, um, or the stellar fluctuations in Tabby Star. And finally, um, they came up with alien megastructures. Of course, you and I, uh, Alejandro, have talked about that a number of times times uh, since then. So um, when they first began to propose this, uh, the SETI Institute monitored the dimming star for signs of transmissions from alien life. Um, They even pointed one of the planet's most sensitive radio telescopes at the star, hoping to hear murmurs from a civilization, um, but instead uh, they heard nothing, and that's too bad. So um, astronomer Tabitha Boyan um, Tabby star named after um, 
launched a Kickstarter campaign, and she pulled in more than $100,000. Um, and to harness the power of a variety of ground-based instruments. Um, and her goal was to catch the star in the act of dimming and get a better look at why may, what might be blocking the light in real time. So they began the observations back in 2016. It continued through 2000, I mean, through December 2017. And in May of last year, she got lucky. Tabby got lucky. Uh, her star began to dim. So almost immediately, nearly a dozen telescopes on Earth swiveled to stare at it. Scientists furiously collected data and in nearly every wavelength of light. So after many months and four distinct dips, the star was no longer visible to telescopes in the northern hemisphere. So now after this, more, her and more than 200 collaborators have analyzed the data from the last 22 months and uh, report in the astrophysical journal letters that the dust is that dust is responsible for the dip and that the alien megastructures are definitely not responsible for the dip. Mm. No so, alien uh, megastructures. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because I was like, well, how could they tell? And one of the ways which makes sense they can tell is by looking at the different frequencies of light and how the the dust filters the light. So, of course, it's not completely opaque dust. Um, you can, light goes through it. And right. so, the, th analyzing the light that goes through it, they were able to confirm that it is dust. And they wouldn't have been able to confirm it, though, without uh, Tabby's Kickstarter. So, because she raised those funds, they were able to point more satellites and analyze it. So, the mystery solved. However, I think the silver lining, and I'd love to hear what you guys think, is that they were open. I mean, it was their first scientific yeah. paper that in their list of hypotheses was aliens. So it wasn't, yeah. you know, the conspiracy people saying this. It was the scientists showing that they are really open to these possibilities. That's oh, right. yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're at a point now, scientifically and and historically, where finally we can say that there are scientists who are kind of bending in this direction mm -hmm. of the possibilities that we're not alone, and it's like it's like a breath of fresh air to to realize that this is going on. And I think the public should be told this as often as possible because we we've come out of a, a out of many years, many decades of the uh, the skeptics and the debunkers putting all of this stuff down. Uh, it 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 you know it's it's as though. Um, we're still somewhat living in the days of, you know, Isaac Newton and Galileo and these people who made initial observations of the universe. And, the, you know, some of them were practically stoned to death because they dared to think and consider what might be happening around us. Uh, and so we're, we are now at the point where people are beginning to think this. And, and, and for, for me, one of the stories, and again, this, this, this was not... UFO related, but in in April uh, was a great story that I, I love to bring this up. Uh, Time Magazine put out its its annual issue. It's a list that they put together called the 100 most influential people in the world, and three of these people were scientists, um, and one of them, this woman named Natalie uh, Batala, is uh, with NASA's. Ames Research Center in California, and she, in fact, is uh, she's the director of the little Kepler spacecraft. 
that's been discovering all these amazing planetary bodies and reasons for us to think about what's going on up there. I mean, since I was looking up some of the statistics, since Kepler uh, was launched in 2009, it has found almost 5,100 possible planets and 2,500 have been confirmed. Mm-hmm. And that that's like that's that's a lot. We've come a long way in in making these kinds of of assumptions that we have all these planets. And well, what, and and she's an alien hunter, and I think that's a great point. I think that it's so cool that you brought this up because those scientists you talked about, her and I think another, are essentially looking for a life in space. So they're they're alien hunters, which is so cool. Well, she she made when Time Magazine made these awards, they did a, a three way interview with them, and when they interviewed Natalie, uh, they uh, she said something that was very telling. Uh, she basically said that these these new planetary or exoplanet discoveries are changing how we look at the universe. And then she said something. I'm going to quote her because I love the quote. She said, "You know, we look up in the sky." And instead of seeing stars, we see other solar systems because now we know that every star in the sky has at least one planet. End quote. I mean, really. It's an interesting quote, but it has been argued. People have debated that quote, whether that's accurate or not, whether some stars don't have planets, but they all agree that um, there are many more planets than there are stars, and and most stars have planets. So I wonder about that. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of feedback on people debating that that quote. Yeah, I, and, and I think it would be, it's interesting if anybody who likes to go out on a summer or winter evening and, and just kind of look up at the stars at night, especially if you're in an area uh, where you can see see the Milky Way, um, it's an interesting, eye-opening concept to think to yourself, like, wow, look at all those stars, and then remind yourself, oh, I'm looking at a lot of solar systems. Yeah, that... What ama- what a- yeah, you know? Even if you just think the majority of these are solar systems, when you're looking out and yeah, just these yes. m- millions and millions, billions and billions of stars, <laughs> it's like, it, it is mind-boggling. I love that quote, I, too. And that first time yeah. I read it was in your story on uh, this, and I was just like, it It was probably, it hit you me like it did you, where it's like, yeah, it changes your perspective, that, wow, I'm looking at gobs and gobs of solar systems and how could you know these solar systems not have life they've got yeah to. right yeah i mean the, many the, of the odds are the, the statistical odds are, are are so high and so important and even if you live someplace like i live in queens new york where you're lucky even to see the moon on some nights <laughs> <laughs> but if, if like all of a sudden like you happen to see coming through the clouds or the overcast if you see a star i could say wow that that could be a solar system that i'm looking at yeah it, it's it's like it's almost the basis of so much science fiction mm-hmm. that, that we're all a part of yeah, yeah pretty it, cool it's, stuff it's amazing now um alejandro do you happen to know about the kepler i know that the wheel, you know, stopped functioning, and it was out of commission. Did they? And they were going to try to fix that remotely. Do you know if that? Do you know anything about that? Uh, you know what? I don't know what the status is on that. Do you, Lee? I don't. No, um, I, I really don't. I haven't looked up anything involving Kepler in, in a while. I, I didn't 
know if it was malfunctioning at all. Although, even if there is a, a malfunction on Kepler, there are other ways that scientists and astronomers are able to detect planets without the use of Kepler. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just just by simply using ground-based uh, um, astronomical devices. But they still they also have a lot of data to comb through because um, it oh, just gathered yeah. so much data. Yeah, and I guess, like you said, one of the wheels was is uh, broken, but they do have uh, at least two remaining functional wheels. It, it's just limited, I guess, in its movement now. But uh, mm -hmm. I know this year we've got more um, planet detectors going up in space, so uh, we should learn more this year. So the next story, you got another story for us, Marty? No, no, you go ahead and move on to the next one. All right. Well, or, I will bring I, up. Uh huh. I, I will bring I'll, up one other <clears throat> one uh, that we wrote about recently that brought up some debate. And and mm -hmm. just for the folks listening, we of course this New York Times story, this uh, Pentagon program's a big story. Mm -hmm. Our last couple of shows have been on it, um, and we'll be talking more about that one in the last segment because there's a lot to talk about. But here's one piece of new information that had come out. This came from. Uh, this is on OpenMinds.tv, and it came from one of our contributors, Andres Mueller, who has his own German website. He's a kind of a German paranormal researcher, he, he, although he focuses on the science of all of this stuff. So he uh, did something cool. So one of the mysteries is the Nimitz case. So we had Robert Powell on talking about Nimitz and, and how uh, in Sandy, outside of San Diego in November of 2004, you know, there was this sighting um, soon after it happened or a year or two after it happened. One of the pilots who was involved wrote about it on a blog, um, an F-18 pilot who chased this thing. Uh, but the mystery is this, and now that the New York Times article came out, to the stars uh, on their website posted two of allegedly three videos they have, and one of them is this Nimitz video. So now we're able to confirm that this IR video that uh, has been online for a while is from the Nimitz in incident. But the question that people have been asking ever since this video was leaked online is, how did it, who leaked it? how did this video get online in the first place? Because it's been online for like a couple years now and mm. nobody is quite sure where it comes from. Well, one person had done some research and they found the trace, the video back to a server from a film company in Germany. And these guys do 2d and 3d animation, which led some people to believe, especially before it was confirmed that perhaps this whole thing was hoaxed, or it was at least a, a video that they had made for a movie or something like that. Um, we did get a confirmation, you know, offline from a couple of people that it was real, but, uh, and now we do know it's real because, you know, it was released by the guy who worked for the department of defense. However, how did it get leaked online is still a question that, that is out there. So what Andres did was get a hold of this German company and say, hey, guys, you know, how did you get the, that video um, and, and get it online? They looked at their server. They saw that the video was on their server, and they said they don't know. They asked past employees 
uh, and some others, you know, why that video was there or how it got there. They think just one of their people downloaded it and it was just on their server because that person had downloaded Mm. it. So they're not sure who downloaded it, though, and how it was on their servers. But they said it had nothing to do with anything they were doing. So they certainly did not fake it or it's none of their projects or anything like that. And we, we, I mean, we can be pretty confident now that we have this, uh, you know, video out from the DOD. So it was just interesting, and it was good for Andres to follow up on this. And some people have got upset and said, this is ridiculous, we know it's real, why would you post this stuff and cast doubt? We're not casting doubt, it's just you have to do your due diligence. So we have to find mm-hmm. out, you know, and we still don't know how this video got leaked in the first place. So here's here's an an idea that's related to this that I wanted to talk to you both about. It's it's the it's the whole thing about how do we how do we feel about all of the UFO videos that are coming out of the woodwork that woodwork known as YouTube uh, every day. The, the numbers increase, uh, the claims increase that this is the best UFO footage ever, and now there's competition between many of the of the sites that are putting these things out there. They're suing each other. It, it's like, it's, isn't it enough? Or have have we created a monster here, and it will never be enough because the public just wants to see this stuff, whether it's real or not. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's the latter. The public wants to see it. Uh, yeah, as long as it gets hits, especially the and the hoaxed one, the fake ones get the most hits. It yeah, seems right. so. If, if there's a, a demand, you know, in our capitalist country, people are going to look to exploit that demand and make some money off of it. So that's going to continue to happen. And and I think people get disappointed with me a lot because they'll send me a picture or a video and expect me to get excited about it. But right. even if it's a great video, even if I can verify that it's real, a video alone is not enough. You need a lot of supporting data and info, like in this DOD case, you know, at least with this Nimitz case, we've got, that's why it, it's such a hard nut to crack and you haven't heard any any debunking, at least at this point, uh, there's been little but nothing, you know, substantial that I've seen. And the mainstream certainly hasn't proposed any debunking, um, um, meaning like New York Times or Washington Post or some of these people have reported on it. What they've done is 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 interviewed the witnesses, but the witnesses are very credible. Um, you know, all of this comes with a whole package of evidence, which is what you need these days with film and with video and a video by itself on YouTube, anonymously placed there, you can't really do anything with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember talking to Bruce McAvee when I first started doing my show, and he said, you know, the the video or the photo is secondary. The witness is first. A great point. I used to get frustrated with McAbee, uh, just like I get frustrated with Mark D'Antonio now, because McAbee used to be the primary MUFON photo analyst, and now it's Mark. And right. they they will look at the video and analyze it and push everything else out to the side. And and I used to get frustrated because I'd say, well, what about this witness and that witness? This is all part of the, the evidence. And his point was, I'm looking at the video for what data the video can give me. 
can I use this video as physical evidence? Uh, does this data say definitively this is an unknown object, which is a very, very high bar to meet, you know? It's difficult to prove something like that. And unfortunately, this video cannot stand alone. Just like the FLIR video all by itself cannot stand alone to prove an unknown object. Uh, you need all this supporting evidence. So uh, they, they make great points, you know? that That is really important. So that... Uh, gives you an idea of the value of that piece of evidence. And just like in this Nimitz case, really, the value of the video um, is low compared to all the other evidence, such as, you know, that the DOD has investigated it, that you have all of these pilots, career pilots, you know, F-18 pilots and such uh, who have witnessed it. All of that is better information than the FLIR video. Right. Well, you know, yeah, and you make you just made a really good point too about how it's the it, no matter how good a video might look, it's not as important as the competency of mm. those who report it. And yet, I was looking through some some older accounts the other day. Hey, can I, I'm uh, sorry, I'm going to have to hold, ask you to hold that thought because no, we've got to go to break. Uh, so we'll be <laughs> right back, and Lee will tell us more about his thoughts on the video. But we do have to do a break right now. If you're listening on KGRA, you'll hear a commercial break. Be sure to check out some of these people that sponsor KGRA and keep them on the air. If you're listening to the podcast, you'll hear a short musical interlude. And after that, we'll be right back with Martin and Liam. We'll talk about the best stories of 2017. Stay tuned. We'll be talking to you soon. Welcome back to Open Minds UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with Lee Spiegel and Martin Willis. And we were talking about, you know, one of these videos from the Nimitz uh, UFO case. And Lee, you were making a point about video um, data. But then I got distracted listening to this very nice musical interlude. It was mm, cool. Wasn't it lovely? <laughs> so did you forget your point? I wouldn't blame you, you know. No, I, I do no, that no, all no, the I time. Did I, was, I, was, I was starting to say that I was looking back... At, at one of the most famous cases uh, of all time, the Tehran-Iran case from 1976, mm. <laughs> where a couple of jet fighter pilots uh, were scrambled because they were they were sent to go up and and see what was in the skies that was buzzing around, and both pilots reported seeing the object, um, and they both reported having their instrumentation. Uh, malfunctioning and their communications were malfunctioning mm. and when one of the pilots attempted to fire a missile at the ufo it wouldn't fire but that he, he reported that the ufo fired something back at him so i'm thinking well okay if these are reliable jet fighter pilots uh what do we make of this and and the thing that i was reading chimed right in and said both Phil Class and James Oberg, arch skeptics and debunkers, both 
agreed that what these pilots were chasing was the planet Jupiter. See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it, that, you know, that's the problem. You, no matter how competent or reliable an eyewitness is, especially a jet fighter pilot who should know what he's looking at, why do we get this still? Why, why are we chasing the moon and Jupiter. I, I don't understand this. You know who frustrates me the most with those type of comments is oh. James Oberg, because James Oberg, yeah. I, I think he's great. Uh, I'm a big fan, space writer, and he actually reads Open Minds and will comment occasionally. But mm-hmm. And he is open to the idea. That's why he's so interested in these websites and uh, and stories. But, you know, I don't know how he could buy into such a silly explanation on I guess he probably has a paper he's written that where he justifies it, but let's, I guess we better move on to the top stories of the year though, 2017. So let's, what we'll do is like we usually Mm -hmm. do one at a time. We'll uh, talk about a story, what we think is one of the top stories, and then we'll all talk about it, but let's go ahead. You know what, Martin, we're going to start with you, buddy. No, we did that last year. What? Well, we want to do it this year. Oh, I I can jump in. It's okay. <laughs> unless you unless you have another visitor who's going to join us. Okay, well, <laughs> Martin, you're he- you hesitated and and now your your moment's gone. Uh, Lee, oh. go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, I I think for all of us, one of the big stories of the year, which which just knocked everybody's socks off, it made everybody stand on their heads doing loopholes. This thing came out in May. And and it involved an interesting interview on 60 Minutes with mm. Robert Bigelow. Like, mm. oh my God, did this thing go viral so fast? Um, that is a great he, one. You know, he was giving a tour. I think the reporter was Lara Logan. And, and they were touring his aerospace uh, industries, um, factories uh, in Las Vegas. And in fact, which many people don't realize, on, on the side of one of the buildings... Of uh, of his company is a gigantic alien. That's mm-hmm. his logo. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but they were walking through, and he was showing various uh, pieces of space equipment, uh, spacecraft, and technology that that he's now working with NASA. That he he'll be building things that will be either attached to the space station or maybe be used to go to the moon and perhaps set up something on Mars. I mean, he's a guy who's got the money. Who can do it? And then the, the, the conversation changed in about the middle of, of the episode where she started to ask him about UFOs. And she just began it by saying, do you believe in UFOs? And he, he said, yeah, I'm absolutely convinced. And that's all there is to it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's basically his attitude. And even and, aliens, he was like, you know, oh, uh, yeah. she's like, are we going to find them? And she's like, well, we don't have to go anywhere to find them. They're here. And she's like, you think aliens are here? And he's like, yeah. I mean, he puts it like that, like, duh, right. which is so funny that he is just so certain. And then that, he well, says, I don't give a damn what they think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he said, he said, and he's probably true. He said, I've spent millions and millions and millions I've probably spent more as an individual than anybody else in the United States has ever spent on this subject. And so when then she said, well, is it risky for you to say that in in public that you believe in UFOs and aliens? And that's when he said, I don't give a damn. I don't care. (laughs) Well, what's funny is we know now some of that money he spent was not his. It was the the government's (laughs) money. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and and he doesn't care, and and he and he said that it's not going to make any kind of a difference to people. Uh, it won't change reality of the reality that that he knows. And and he basically said, you don't have to go anywhere in, into outer space to look for aliens. It's right under our noses here. Mm-hmm. And and so he he has a really interesting uh, point of view, where he's basically saying, I've spent my own money on this. I know what I know, and and I don't care what people believe. And now I'm I'm just going to spend my time putting spaceships together for NASA. So, you know, and and there's so much now that we have this new news behind the scenes that we could see yeah. going on that he was shy about getting into all of this UFO stuff, or he's been shy about talking about it. In fact, this interview, from what I hear, was done a year prior, and he was not happy about it being held onto and then released. Uh, when it was because he's in the middle of these negotiations with NASA, which is really important because Trump just said, we're going to the moon. Uh, the only, because right. China and Russia are putting bases on the moon. The only person who has a plan yeah. for a base on the moon currently that's working with NASA is Bigelow. So he might be the guy right now NASA works with. So, and not only that, uh, it probably gave him some credibility when they said, well, aren't you a UFO guy? He, his retort can be sure I am, but I'm working with the DOD on this project. Um, mm, he and which adds credibility to his his hunt on UFOs. So yeah, really interesting. Yeah, and, the other, and the other thing about him that many people don't know, and it's up to guys like you know the three of us to to kind of put this information out there, is is that uh, several years ago he purchased a ranch in Utah. Mm. Uh, called the Skinwalker Ranch because the family that lived there were having incredible paranormal experiences that just couldn't be explained easily away. And the word got back to Bigelow and he bought the ranch and he, and he set up a whole scientific uh, crew to go there with equipment to photograph whatever they could photograph to see if it was UFO based, if it was something else based. And, and in fact, the, the very first night that he owned this ranch, um, our mutual friend, John Alexander, decided to spend the night there alone. <laughs> yeah. Because he's, he's a guy who's like a former, um, in Vietnam, he was a former A-team uh, unit commander. Nothing scares this guy. Uh, and and he wanted to go there to see yeah. If, yeah, if I've got an interview see. with him about this, but we got a lot of stories to go on too. Yeah. So okay, well, all, all I'm saying is that the connection is that that Robert Bigelow uh, is a key person to watch, whether he does anything about the UFOs or not. He's there, always present, and he's going to be a newsmaker in 2018. Uh, I'm I'm yeah. certain of that. But yeah, uh, Martin, if you have any. Uh, you know, last minute comment on that story, or if you want to move to your story. Well, no, just quickly, I just want to say that I've heard that he is not willing to give anyone any interviews about what's going on or what he had to do with the DOD at this point. Yeah, good point. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, no, that's true. He's given no one, not even his good buddy George Knapp, reported out of Las Vegas. Right, right. Okay, your story. Okay, Uh, well, I, um, I was looking through, and I you're talking about videos earlier. So I decided that I was going to try to find what I thought was the best UFO video mm. of the year. And uh, you and I had talked about this, Alejandro, uh, at some point. 
And that um, that was back in July. I think it was July 1st of last year. And it was uh, uh, the title of that particular story was UFO Witnesses Capture Shining Disc. And that's uh, on Canada Day. Um, and that was at the Toronto waterfront. And so it was a couple. They were celebrating um, Canada Day, as I said. They were on the waterfront. And all of a sudden, um, the... Uh, the man happened to look up and he saw something flash. Well, he took this great video. Uh, I think, I, I remember us talking about it, Alejandro, but I think it's probably the best video that I saw all year long. Um, it's like a perfect disc. Uh, he says um, that he saw it actually orbiting, actually moving. Um, you can't really tell that from the video, at least the size it's at. But um, so they were watching this video and it kept, um, I mean, they were watching this disc and it kept, uh, going in and out. And you can see that clearly it like absolutely vanishes and then comes back. And, you know, one of the best things about this is, uh, uh, that all of a sudden they saw a black helicopter come and it looked like it was following it. Um, and those darn black helicopters, they always seem to show yeah. up. I'm kind of skeptical that, that that helicopter was related, but I really do think that this is an interesting video. It, it's circular with a little hole in the middle, kind of like a donut. That's right. Which That's right. is indicative, though, of being very out of focus. Um, but still, it, it did have some weird movement. It was, it was very, it's a great video. It, it's a fun video. And, and you know what? I don't think anybody really felt like they figured out what it was. Yeah, one time they had mentioned that you can hear them talking among each other, and they're saying, or the wife is saying, or the girlfriend is saying, I think that's, uh, it could be a drone. And then later on, she says, no way, that was a drone. You know, but at first, they oh, thought Oh, you know what? Uh, the MUFON case, um, I'm looking now, luckily the MUFON investigator made a comment on the story. I forgot about this. They concluded it was the ISS. Really? Yeah. Ah. And it looked like that. How about that? So it must have been the angle of the sun hitting it. Yeah, and or and going in and out of focus. When the camera goes in and out of focus, it can make some weird things too. Well, that story was a real dud. No, that's a, it's an interesting <laughs> video, and and you know it's a good example hmm. how a lot of these things get figured out. But uh, well, yeah, that's right. I mean, I've always wondered, you know, if we can find out the conclusion of these, and so I guess we now do have that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Hmm. All right. Uh, All right. So someone... uh, my story, my turn. Okay, here's mine. This is the first one. There's a few good stories, I felt. But mine is, especially being here in Phoenix and the Phoenix Lights being such a big deal, is Kurt Russell coming out this year and uh, saying he uh, yeah. saw the Phoenix Light. So part of the, yeah. the mythology, the mythos with the Phoenix Lights is that there was a private uh, pilot. That wit said, reported seeing the 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 lights. So Kurt Russell's story is, and this was in an interview uh, on the BBC. Um, it's called the One Show, and he was doing an interview with Chris Pratt uh, for Gardens of the Galaxy Two, which was a great movie. Uh, I loved it, and mm-hmm. and. So the you know the British guy he makes a big deal and he brings out what he says is his top secret file and he's like we have this top secret file and he said did you guys know that you know the Phoenix in Phoenix there was this big sighting that happened in the nineties and there was a pilot who said that he saw him 
And Kurt Russell says, I am aware of that, and here's the tail numbers on that aircraft, and I know (laughs) that because I was that pilot. So he says he came home one day, and he's doing some stuff, and Goldie Hawn is watching a show on UFOs, and they start talking about the Phoenix Lights, and they start talking about this pilot who had said that he had seen the UFO. And he's like, oh my gosh, that sounds familiar, because he's like, I flew my son to Phoenix about that time, and uh, we reported a UFO. And so he looked in his records, his flight logs, and sure enough, it was on that day at that time. And he's like, wow, I'm that guy. So, yeah, <laughs> Kurt Russell now. And, and this is part of the, you know, even at the uh, UFO Congress last year, we were celebrating the anniversary, 25th anniversary of the Phoenix Lights. and Or, or is it 20th? 20th anniversary. 20th, 20, yeah. And uh, we didn't know about this, so this is new since then. This was in May, actually, same about the same time that Bigelow did his interview, or it was aired. Uh, Kurt right. Russell came out with this news, so that's a really cool one. I like that one. Now, Alejandro, did he get into great detail of what he observed from the angle he was at? Not really. They said they saw some mysterious lights uh, at first. They didn't think much of them, or at least he didn't. Uh, but then they, as they were flying in, they kept looking, and they couldn't figure out what they were. Um, I think he did say they were in like a, a V for, yeah, he said in a V shape um, that they were over the airport or near the airport. Um uh, that they were uniform in pattern. He didn't go into a lot of uh, information, but that, that's about what he said. I see. You know, one nice. of the things that people talk about is the enormous size of it, and that's one of the things I, you know, was most curious about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that supposedly this thing's really cool, big, and he did say it was large, you know, V-shaped, six lights that they saw. It mm. was, there, there were so many reports, I remember... That that I, I found intriguing, where people described, and it was at night, but it was it was so big. They said they knew it was big because it blocked out their their visual, uh, yeah. you know, of, of yeah. the stars above it because yeah. it just it was so big that it got in the way of the stars. Yeah, that that's that's a big object. Yeah, so that's a fun story, a fun one from 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 this year. <laughs> Lee, it's your okay. turn. Um, at, in February. Uh, there was a, there was an item from Fox News, and so I'm assuming that since it was on Fox News, our newly <laughs> um, our newly inaugurated president Trump uh, probably was aware of this story because he loves Fox News. <laughs> uh, in the science section on Fox News, they uh, they had a headline that said UFO sightings hit an all time high. Uh, according to a report, it kind of got buried, I guess, in the news, and I don't know if many other people besides Fox reported it. But according to this story, um, th- the data for this story came from the National UFO Reporting Center, and um, isn't that our friend uh, Peter Davenport? Yeah, yeah. So apparently, it's it's all the work that he's done, all the compilations he's done, and th- the findings <clears throat> came up with some new statistics, which said that um, UFOs are visiting Earth at an all-time high, uh, and that the sightings are most common in the United States. And it was put together by a doctoral student um, in applied cognition at a place called George Mason University. And he, he basically, he wrote up his findings based on the information from Davenport's uh, initial data. So it's interesting, he says that UFOs have been popping in into our reality 
with over 100,000 reported sightings on record over the past 100 plus years. Mm-hmm. Interesting, wow. interesting numbers. I forgot it about is. that story. That That is a good one. That was a cool one. Yeah, and yeah. just to just to recap for the year, MUFON had a total of 5,630 reports and new for and that was uh, up six percent uh new fork however was down six percent which i think is kind of ironic at four thousand six hundred sixty five and of course as we all know uh some of those reports come in from past years and people just report them you know currently right 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 yeah that's a good one that is interesting and i have a follow-up for that one but it's martin's mm. turn <laughs> Oh, no, no. Go ahead and follow up. We can go out of order. That's that's cool. Martin, <laughs> you always give up your turn. But I'll just say, I'll just add to that because one of mine was, and, and I give her so many props, is Cheryl Costa. Cheryl Costa All wrote right. her book, oh, yeah. uh, The yeah. UFO Sightings Desk Reference. That came out in April. And it was funny they wrote this story because she did a lot of work shopping around and getting attention for her book. And she did a great job. The New York Times... Um, um, practically all of the big media had covered some of the statistics from her book. And it's cool because, you know, everybody, every local reporter, when you talk to them, they say, okay, that's interesting, but what about local? What's happening in my area? And that's what her book answers. Everybody can look up and say, hey, look, in my particular area, there's this many sightings. So there have been so many stories throughout the years generated not just by her book but her getting out there and promoting her book and i think she's done a spectacular job and it really got ufos in the news all year long that's right and i i was uh i was looking at that myself uh to talk about that and also she had an article come out in the new york times you know so yeah um the one we're going to talk about wasn't the first one this year right all right yeah. your next story martin all right, so I'm just reporting this one because I think this is a, a great sighting, nothing fantastical in any type of way. But this was a uh, – because the reason I like this one is because it was a very long-lasting and unusual sighting, and it was also by multiple witnesses. So this was in Dallas, and they, wa- they, were, they were watching actually multiple objects. Um, the witness was outside walking the dog at 11 p.m., This is back in June of uh, 2017 and observed a white light that looked like a star at first. And here I quote, uh, I realized the light was moving back and forth east to west very fast and appeared to be slowly moving down, the witness stated. I went inside and got everyone to come out. We grabbed binoculars and you could see the light was attached or tethered to something large and shaped like a triangle. The light appeared to drag the triangle across the sky and back again, but it was descending. And then as the object came closer, the witness could see the triangle was big and black like a wing, and there was an attachment between it and the light. And he goes on to say they watched for an hour and went inside and posted on Facebook. I think that's kind of funny, hoping that someone may uh, go outside themselves and take a look at it in their area. Um, Instead, he got a lot of amusing comments. So they continued back out and was hoping other people in the neighborhood would wake up. But after two hours, the objects moved directly over their heads, and they lay down the front lawn with their and sharing their binoculars, trying to see what it was. And uh, they tried to take videos and pictures, 
but all you could see was the light and not the thing being pulled around. At 2 a.m., uh, two other objects appeared. Now, they had different lights. I should say that these uh, other, the first object had like red lights, and these um, other ones had red and green, which, of course, is uh, what you would think on an aircraft. Um, well, after the, uh, the total objects of four, uh, they didn't appear to be dragging anything. But they watched this thing until 4 o'clock in the morning, and they reported it to their local CBS station, and they said they have no idea uh, that was their only response. So the videos, uh, no videos were included or anything, but I think that was a, a really good sighting last year. Yeah. I mean, that one was just anecdotal, but I guess it is interesting. Uh, triangles, of course, are, are spotted so often. But uh, we're running low on time. Lee... Well, you can Lee, why don't you name a couple if you want and we'll just uh we we had a we did a story at HuffPost um in March about how two Harvard scientists were suggesting that aliens may be using giant radio beams to travel through the cosmos hmm. uh, like using giant interstellar sails if you will uh and I like oh, the right. story because because it was like they were Harvard University scientists, and they, they were saying that there are these things that are known as uh, fast radio bursts or or FRBs, and they were they've been detected mostly in very distant galaxies, and the the two scientists are suggesting this is evidence of how aliens may be traveling from one place to another, and and they these these are radio bursts that can propel their sails to great distances uh, and we've only seen maybe a handful uh, in the last 10 years only maybe 17 have been reported but but since we have so many possible new other galaxies to look at we can see these things from very distant galaxies and they're saying that if we can see one of these radio bursts that's so far away that means it's the brightest thing that we've ever imagined seeing because of the distances that takes for that light to get from here to there. Mm-hmm. We're almost out of time for this segment, okay. so we're going to have to go to break. But yeah, fast radio bursts was on my list too because yeah. Yeah, these are these signals that are detected. And the breakthrough listen, uh, this new thing put up by this rich guy in Russia, they listened to a few more. And even though some were identified as, as a microwave in one of the listening uh, posts, the others have not been explained. So still a mystery. Yeah. And uh, even SETI and those conservative guys are looking at this one really weird. But we've got to go to break. If you're listening on KGRA, you're going to hear uh, some com- commercials for a couple minutes. If you're listening on the podcast, we'll just have a short musical interlude and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Open Mind GFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I'm here with Lee Spiegel and Martin Willis. And real quick, 
uh, <laughs> stories of the year. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to name a couple uh, stories here that I thought were really good. First of all, Jimmy Kimmel interviews George Bush about UFOs. So that's really interesting. George Jr. And he was very elusive. He asked, did you look at secret UFO files? He's like, maybe. He said, my daughters are really into it. They asked me too. And he said, well, if you would you share that information with your daughters if you had some? He said, no. And he said, as he said, well, now that you're out of office, you can do what you want, right? And Bush says, true, but I'm not telling you. So it was a really interesting conversation. Um, another one which is really cool is uh, James Fox. You know, he let us air some video uh, of his interview with Fife Symington that people hadn't seen before. And that was really cool at the UFO Congress. And we put that out to the news. What was interesting about this is Symington said that he did tell the Pentagon about this. And the Pentagon knows, and they're looking into this stuff. So that's pretty interesting. He said they wouldn't talk to him about it, but he knows that they're looking into it. And then Newsweek was a lot of fun, because Newsweek had a special edition out this year called Life Beyond Earth, question mark, and you would think it would be full of science and stuff, which it was, but more actually probably 80% of it is UFOs. Uh, and they recommended this radio show. The only podcast they recommended was this one. If they were aware of yours, Martin, they probably would have talked about yours too. But uh, okay, and now we want to get to the big story, which of course is... This new group that the Pentagon uh, was, the Department of Defense was looking for UFOs. So let's outline this really quick. Late last year, we found out that Tom DeLonge was speaking with some, through the WikiLeaks, some very high-level people, Air Force generals, people that, you know, work at Lockheed Skunk Works, and John Podesta, the guy running... um, Uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign. Because he was speaking to people at such high levels, we awarded him at the UFO Congress the UFO uh, Researcher of the Year. Um, Well, made a lot of uh, news. It made somewhat of a big splash when the WikiLeaks had UFO stuff on him. And then our thing went viral, and he made a ton more news. And Tom DeLonge told our people that he's going to have some big news coming out soon. What was weird about this is that Tom DeLonge, it was weird that he was talking to these guys because he talks about how he believes aliens are are bad and that we're back engineering alien technology. So moving along, we didn't hear anything for months. Everybody's waiting. When is this news coming? Finally, in -hmm. October, Tom DeLonge announces this new group that he's putting together, a very impressive group of people scientists, people that have worked in defense intelligence, some people we've never heard of, but one of them being this Lou Elizondo. He said he worked on a UFO project in the DOD. That piqued my interest. I'm like, what the heck? I talked to Leslie Kane. I had her on the show, and she was like, you know, this is incredible. But it seemed like it didn't make any news. Little did we know, behind the scenes, New York Times, Washington Post, Political, all picked up on it and were working on stories. So finally, um, the New York Times comes out with their story about an, um, a month later. What was it? Uh, in December, actually, that December they came 16. out. Yep, yep, December 16. They write their story about Lou Elizondo, and we find out this project is amazing that this project existed, that Harry Reid, along with other senators, got this project funded all the way back in 2006. And then we find out that Bigelow was contracted, and a lot of this you know, work went into, was was contracted out to Bigelow. Elizondo claims that um, they retrieved a piece of the craft, and then they came out with a couple videos and really talked about this Nimitz case. So um, I guess... 
first ideas about it. Let's start with you, Lee. Well, uh, the, the the thing about the case, I, th- I think that made the the biggest impression on me was was that first of all, I thought that the video that was released was a little too short, uh, and I'm 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 assuming that most people felt the same way. It's like show us more. I wanted to see how the object left, but we were just kind of left hanging there, and the video ended. Um, that that was a surprise to me. But the other thing that I think I'm correct about this, not in any of the news items or or news statements or quotes that were issued by the Pentagon or anyone in the Department of Defense, no one actually said we started this project in 2007 um, because we thought there might be an extraterrestrial relationship here. All that they said, and it almost felt like a bit of a cover story to me, was, well, we we believed in the reliability of a lot of our jet fighter pilots, because why wouldn't we believe them? And there were enough reports so that we started to think, well, maybe the Russians or the Chinese have developed their own super secret technology that's more advanced than what we have. We should start a program and investigate it and spend taxpayers $22 million and let's see if we can determine if this is another country's technology Uh, and if so then that would be some cause for possible threat of our national security. That was the story. That was the cover story as I put it that they came out with. Nobody actually said we spent five years looking into this on the possibility it could be extraterrestrials. I thought that was a little interesting, and a lot of people didn't pick up on that. Um, well, I'm curious I think, to know, what do you think? Yeah, but I, I don't think they should have said that, uh, because that's not what the project was. I don't get that impression at all. That that, that would, I, don't, I don't know why they would say that, and it would be damaging to what they're doing to say that. Although there's a little bit of an implication in that Bob Bigelow is the guy that the money was given to, Bob Bigelow, of course, said he believed in aliens not too long ago, you know, not too much earlier. I thought it was interesting that Harry Reid said another person that inspired him to to create this, fund this project, was John Glenn had told him years ago to look Mm -hmm. into UFOs. John Glenn, of course, being the astronaut who was the first man to orbit the Earth. Um, Very important person. Mm -hmm. We've never heard he's been interested in this topic, but he said there are some very credible reports. You really should look into this. It's important. So... Yeah, I don't think it's it's not about aliens. I don't know why they would say it's about aliens. Do you get the impression it is about aliens? Well, I I guess um, when when the whole story broke, I think that that's what the public was taking from this. Like, oh, Pentagon releasing his top secret UFO study group. Oh, you know, must it must be aliens. And and when they showed the video, it actually showed. Uh, an object that looked like it, it could be doing impossible things in the middle of the screen. Well, that can't possibly be something that's put together by another nation on Earth. It must be aliens. I mean, that that's the implication that I think most people got from this. One, I feel that they haven't been strong enough. Uh, Leslie has been 
doing this quite a bit. But I think that, you know, uh, a lot of the media people try to get him to talk about aliens, and they shouldn't. I mean, this is about investigating UFOs. The data right. will lead us to whatever conclusion there may be, but we don't have enough, like Jacques Vallée says, you know, you're a good buddy, a good, good uh, researcher, <laughs> that we have yep. to let the data guide us. Martin, what do you think? Well, I, I think it's interesting. I, uh, I I spoke with Stan Friedman the other day, and he actually had a different take on that. I was actually kind of surprised. He was said, um, you know, that um, he he says I only am accountable for myself, and he says mm-hmm. uh, I was never afraid to say that some UFOs mm-hmm. uh, are alien spacecraft, and he's saying that he thinks that uh, they should have not worried so much. Um, that was, you know, that's Stan's opinion. Um, I actually, I have a clip here of just what I asked him, uh, what he thought about the whole thing. And I'd like to play that now. It's, it's okay. about 50 seconds. Yeah, here it goes. Well, I was, frankly, enormously surprised. I was delighted. I thought it was handled very well. I was uh, surprised, as a matter of fact. Uh, I had heard Tom DeLonge. I would read his book. And I knew he seemed to be short on evidence, a lot of story. But I think he handled this release extremely well. And the other guys with him, Elizondo and so forth, uh, I was very impressed. It, it's the most impressive uh, single UFO event I've seen in a very long time. Uh, and uh, I was very pleased about it. Uh, I had calls about it. I mean, there were a lot of things that, that we didn't talk about that they didn't talk about, but uh, still, uh, it looked like a whole new ball game, to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah, nice, nice quote. You know, and yeah. I do feel it is a brand, a whole new ball game, and I'd like to hear your all thought on this. In that, I it really has changed. I think public perception going into this new year, the media. Mm-hmm is very open to the UFO topic. And I think that we were already headed there. We've talked about how science was into the alien thing and stuff. But now they're taking it very seriously, um, which yes. is interesting. Yes. Um, also, I, uh, I, I've been corresponding with Ralph Blumenthal, um, who is one of the people that was, uh, you know, wrote the, broke the first story. And by the way, there's been over over 57 uh, primetime news reports about after the New York Times article mm-hmm. broke, um, which I think is <laughs> quite amazing. That's what you right. call going viral. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it is a, a whole new ball game, And, you know, people outside of the UFO field are actually talking about this. And, you know, I mentioned to you, Alejandro, briefly on a phone call that I had a friend that, you know, is far removed from the UFO field. And he says, uh, when I asked him about it, he says, oh, yeah, um, the government spent $22 million. <laughs> It's kind of funny the different things that people will, you know. You know, on that point, that's a great thing. You know, you bring up this $22 million. On that point, it's interesting because Chris Mellon was on Coast to Coast with George Knapp and I when this news came out. And he made the point that $22 million is nothing when it comes to a government program. That's right. just very, you can't, he said, I think you can't change a truck tire uh, for that amount of money. <laughs> and then John Alexander said something similar. And then when um, Tyson, uh, Dyson, 
uh, what's his full the scientist? I can't, Neil deGrasse. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was on CNN with Don Lemon. He said the same thing. He said, "Really, twenty-two million isn't much." And even though he didn't think that there was any proof there were aliens yet, there was some interesting evidence that uh, they haven't met that bar. But he did say it's worth it. That we should be looking yeah. into these sorts of things. It makes sense. And I so, was surprised he actually said that. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised too. Um, but let me ask: did, did either of you find it odd, or or part of that whole ridicule factor again? A couple of days. I think it was just a few days after the the story broke in December during this White House press conference, when one of the reporters stood up and asked uh, the secretary Huckabee about these reports of UFOs. There was immediate snickering in the yes, entire room. That. You I know. Saw that. And I, and I I don't I didn't know if I was pissed at that or if I just expected that that's what would happen. But it's like, really, is the media getting more interested, or are they just still laughing it all away? Well, these yeah, are White then, House reporters. Yeah, um, and There's I think a lot that, of smirking going on there. Yeah. yeah, the White House reporters are, I think, a little bit different because uh, credibility is so high, especially right now when they're being attacked. Uh, over everything that they say. I think they're very, very careful of staying in this realm of what's very, very substantiated or attempting to. So they're careful about what they talk about or get into because it can be used against them. And, you know, as you know, Lee, you're looking for substantiated evidence when you're writing about this stuff. And those guys probably don't know much about the story or that there is some credible information there. Right. Um, But what's interesting about that is that the White House has made no comment and we really haven't heard much from the dod as far as official comments and there's a lot of conspiracies and things going out there again i like to use the data that we have but it seems they were caught off guard that they have not the white house nor the dod have really figured out how to respond yet maybe they're hoping the story goes away but i don't think it is yeah, and I, well, wanna... I, 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 do you, I don't know if you both remember, you know, when Hillary Clinton was on the campaign trail last year, uh, you, you know, and she she took every opportunity to say, if you elect me president, I'm going to release those classified documents, and and not once did any of that come up in any of the debates, and right. I was astonished by that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised too. Uh, getting back earlier, I was talking about Ralph Blumenthal. Um, and when I was corresponding with him this morning, he said that um, he's not making, you know, he's not going to be on the media, any type of media uh, for a while. And then at the end, he says, because we have some more reporting to do. Which right. Sounds well, pretty exciting. And and as for what's coming up, which is really important. So luckily, I'm going to have Leslie on in the next week or two, whenever she gets, you know, whenever she has a moment. She said, I'll be the first at least ufo person she talks to it's frustrating that we get segregated into this ufo realm thing. yes but there, there is an issue there you're right yeah and it, it's it's wrong i mean it, it's frustrating because uh you know it, this is you should be speaking to the people who are going to be the ones who are going to be supporting you i feel but anyway uh there's a couple of things first of all we need to get that third video supposedly there's a third video so we know that news is coming not only that people like robert 
Powell were told the government didn't have any information on this Nimitz case. Now that this has come out and, you know, Lou shared all that information, now they're saying they do have information that they are going to share. Um, so, and, and no doubt people are asking about the program and, and a lot of information and putting in FOIA requests. So we're going to receive all of that information coming up here. One thing uh, also is, is where did these videos come from? How did he get permission to release these videos? And right. we need more about those videos. The Washington Post, I did a story, an interview with The Sun about this because they were told that there was some confusion about these videos and that defense intelligence did not release any videos. And the Washington Post wrote kind of that Lou Elizondo had uh, released these videos under a bit of a false pretense that the videos were released for uh, for educational purposes and safety purposes, not to show that there was a UFO program, which he did. He used them for. But I was told and, and I the Sun Fox News picked up that story in some other places. And then I got some feedback from the group and I, I can't you know reveal a whole lot that that was false that the Washington Post, what they wrote was false. If that's true, that's a huge mistake, and it means the mm. Washington Post, we can't trust everything that they wrote in their stories. Mm. Uh, the best piece of, I guess, the writing we have is from the New York Times, and then we have these personal interviews with Lou and Leslie and witnesses. So um, there's a lot more to come. That's right. Uh, the David Fravor, the commander... Um, that was uh, was flying, uh, that was the witness. I'm not sure if either one of you uh, checked out his most recent interview. He gets really into detail of what happened on the Nimitz. Mm-hmm. Well, I Did either seen, one of you watch that? I don't know if I've seen the most recent, but I've seen several of his interviews in the last couple of weeks, yeah. Uh, the one part I'd like to just briefly talk about is uh, and I'm glad that there's not a lot of debunking out there. It's it's uh, because you'd almost expect it. Um, you know, I know uh, James Oberg. You talked about him earlier. Um, I watched a news segment he was on, and he basically is saying, you know, it was he was basically um, saying negative things about it, saying it's very mm-hmm. similar to, you know, Leslie Kane's uh, Chilean, um, you know, UFO, and that ended mm-hmm. up being a you know a jet uh, moving away. Um, and he says this video is so similar. And you know what? He's wrong about that because that video, um, the aircraft was, I believe, 50 miles away. And this is a total different ball game. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the, the witness testimony we have is way different in, in this yes. instance where you have so many witnesses of the entire Nimitz group. Another interesting thing is that, you know, there's there's this Facebook site and we posted it at Open Minds UFO News, the group on Facebook. Uh, one of our admins, Finn, had found it. There's this Facebook group for the Pennsylvania, one of the ships in the Nimitz group. And they were one of them. Or is it? Yeah. And um there are people on board, and they're, it's their discussion. It's people who had been, you know, stationed on that ship, and and a lot of them are are talking about. Oh, I remember when that happened. That was really incredible. And they're talking. They're conversing amongst themselves about witnessing this thing. So there were so many witnesses, and the whole That's idea right. of this Tic Tac UFO. Robert Powell, when he investigated it, they said they told him they were surprised because they asked one of the Navy guys about this, and and he said, Oh, the Tic Tac. UFO. Yeah, I know all about that. And so it is a big deal, it seems like, at least among the people involved and others in the Navy. 
That's right. Yeah. And I, the last time I had Robert Powell on, um, I had, um, he, he alerted me saying, have you seen that comment under the YouTube video of our show? And I said, no. And it's actually, there's a witness, a Navy pilot, um, that, uh, um, uh, supposedly he's following up with, um, that should be interesting if there's more, you know, more people coming out and talking about it. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Well, we're out of time. Last thoughts, Lee. Wow. Yes, I, I would like to say, because it hasn't been brought up yet, and you've both been mentioning Robert Powell, I would like people to know about something that I, I believe is going to be important with all the things we're talking about. It's, an, it's a new organization that our friend Alejandro Rojas is primarily responsible for putting together. It's called the Scientific Coalition for Ufology, and I would like you, Alejandro, to tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm a part of the group. So essentially, these are the guys that got together to research this Puerto Rico case uh, from Aguadilla, Robert Powell, and some others, um, Morgan mm-hmm. Biel, uh, Larry Cates, uh, um, Rich Hoffman, uh Carl Paulson, those were the main group. And uh, what they decided to do is kind of spin off because they want to do some more hard science and more serious, careful, credible investigation. So they've kind of spun off from MUFON to create this, to have this group grow bigger and to do more. And it is exciting because they've got a lot of great people involved, a lot of scientists. You can go to their website, SU online uh to look for it but uh just put in like seu ufos and you'll find it but yeah it's a great group and i'm excited for what they're going to do in the future because these are all people who are hard workers every day they're discussing and looking into stuff so this uh case among others are going to be some really cool things that they'll be working on And, and lee you've you've joined us to help with uh media stuff so yeah i think this is going to be great Great. I'm glad you right. I'm glad you mentioned it. All right. And Martin, do you have any last thoughts? No, I I thought it was a very interesting year at the end of the year, especially. And I'm really, really excited to see what happens in 2018. Yeah. And uh it's been fun today. Yeah, a game changing year. I mean, we have not had mm-hmm. the government admit they're investigating UFOs and that they've discovered unknowns for since nineteen sixty nine. A very big deal. So those of us who have been saying, yes, the government is looking into this, even though they say they're not and kind of getting laughed at, it's we've been validated that indeed they have. So really great year. And thank you both for joining me. Oh, my gosh, this time flies. It feels like a few seconds instead of a whole hour. So thank you. Thank you both. Yep. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much to Martin Willis and Lee Spiegel for being on the show. They are awesome. Don't forget, you can catch Martin Willis on Podcast UFO. Lee has a lot of projects in the pipeline, some cool stuff. Right now, he's working on James Fox's latest documentary, so that's going to be really exciting. Uh, He did Out of the Blue, and I Know What I Saw, two of the best documentaries out there. So, very cool stuff. Also, I want to tell you about the UFO Congress. It is getting really close. It's only a month away. And we've got some really cool stuff. Go to ufocongress.com to see some of the speakers. And we have some surprises in store that we still haven't let people know about. Because you know we've got to get the latest news integrated into the conference somehow. And uh, with that being so hectic, of course, it's going to be a little bit difficult for us to uh, get all those final arrangements. But it will be exciting. So go to ufocongress.com and register right away. Otherwise, thank you to Caleb Hanks for doing 
doing the open and close music. And uh, thank you. Oh, by the way, I should mention openminds.tv, of course, is where you're going to find all that news that you heard uh, throughout the show. So openminds.tv. We get really busy this time of year. Um, So there's less stories than usual, but we'll have more up. In fact, I'm going to write something. uh, I'll have something up by the time this comes out. So lots of really cool stuff and some more cool stuff on the horizon. You'll have to wait for the future to see that. But finally, I want to thank you all for listening. Until next time, adios muchachos. (laughs) 